Welcome to Talking to Teachers. Recently I sat down with Sam Gibson. He's a high school teacher. Started off as a PE teacher and then sort of fell in love with the use of technology and, and the extra value that it could add in his classroom practice. He works part-time at Tarawera High School, more doing PD for teachers now. But he's also set up a charitable trust or helped set up a charitable trust where he's the project manager. It's called Te Akatoitu. If you haven't heard of it or even if you have, check it out again. It's T-E-A-K-A-T-O-I-T-U. T-E-A-K-A-T-O-I-T-U. Essentially what he's trying to do is he's trying to provide families with affordable internet and devices who, who didn't previously have it. It's pretty amazing, I think. He's basically looked at this digital divide that we hear about, we read about, and he's actually trying to do something about it. In the podcast, we talk about, about this charitable trust, Te Akatoitu. We also talk about common misconceptions around technology in the classroom. We're looking at it, he, he talks about how it can enhance learning. He talks about Google Classroom. We talk about the digital divide. We talk about online collaboration, keeping up with technology, screen time, all that sort of stuff. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. Sam's on Twitter, at SamGibson1983. That's at S-A-M-G-I-B-S-O-N-1983. And he's also got a website giving tips for using technology in the classroom, Tomorrow's Learners. Definitely check him out. He, He definitely knows his stuff. You'll hear, you'll hear some birds tweeting in the background. I apologise about that. We had a beautiful New Zealand summer's day, so we podcasted outside. So if you hear a bit of chirping, that's what it is. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. Right, so Sam, thanks for chatting with me. I'll try and keep it not so dry. Um, mate, let's start talking about tomorrow's learners. Oh, actually, give, give me a bit of a background on what you do. Like, where do you teach? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not actually teaching at the moment, but I've been teaching out in Kawaro at a school called uh, Tarawera High School, and uh, I've been out there for three years, but my, I, I had been teaching there, and it sort of morphed into more of a role of um, professional development for teachers, and um, specifically on, on using technology and, and really using technology to enhance learning, so um, that's sort of where I've developed that real passion for technology there. So who employs you? Uh, so Tarawera High School still employ me and uh, sort of just part-time because a lot of the time I'm, I'm on daddy daycare duties three days a week as well and uh, yeah, I've also got my other job where I'm a project manager for a charitable trust that we've set up as well. And do you find that um, you've just been pulled in this direction or have you actively sought out a bit of both. I've definitely actively sought sought out a bit with um, in terms of the professional development stuff. I've yeah become really passionate about that enhancing uh, learning through technology. So it was awesome to be able to try to model that in the class I was teaching, and now um, to be able to have an impact on teachers as well to try to try to do similar things with their students. And and as you know, like uh, it's so different now, and, and technology in the is changing how how we view really teaching and learning and, and trying to get all the teachers really understanding that and, and how it's different from how, how we would have gone to school. 
So where are you in, in terms of your expertise? Are you are you learning stuff on the spot and and then providing that to teachers, or do you have to do your your homework? How how does your sort of day look? Yeah, a bit of a bit of both as well. It's um when it's a passion, it's not really homework because yeah. stuff like well professional learning networks and um. I'm a huge fan of Twitter, and and if you're not on Twitter, Twitter, and you're a teacher, I think you're really missing out because yeah, that's where I say that oh, I've really learnt all the stuff that I've learnt because sometimes you don't know what it is that you're looking for. And well, on, that's how on I Twitter, reconnected with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so it's um, and and but I I find the problem with Twitter is that when like you obviously follow all the people that you follow when they start tweeting about just everyday stuff clogging up your feed rather than the education stuff that I want them for. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you can choose to follow things like uh, Justin Bieber or whatever and and you won't get the stuff you're looking for. And, and then if what I say to teachers is you could have your personal Twitter account yep. for following anything you want, but if you want to be serious about your professional learning network, just follow uh, really good educators and those really good ones on Twitter just generally post about um, educational updates and and I'm very uh, careful to do that myself as well and I'll make sure that in my description of, of my profile it's just about trying to help uh, teachers and enhance student learning through technology and that's what I try to always tweet about and uh, it's good for what well, you, you follow people so you get good good ideas but yeah. then also when you start doing stuff yourself it's an awesome way to share what you're doing and to get for example if you write a blog post um, how are you going to get people to read that? And, and Twitter is one of the best tools to push that out to. And it's, uh, from a selfish perspective, you do get a bit of a buzz when people like your stuff or yeah, share no, your no stuff. Yeah, no doubt. It's, um, and, and it's exactly what I say with um, students and how every student should have a blog or some way, some e-portfolio that we can actually get a worldwide audience because it's more motivating to to do your work and to do it to a real high standard. So if... If I was writing a blog post and, and no one was reading it, um, I'd quickly stop writing it because, yeah, like you say, it's a little bit of an ego boost to know that people are actually getting something out of what you're doing as well. Yeah, but where, so you predominantly deal with secondary schools? Just yeah. in terms of Just in terms of teaching them about Twitter and stuff, that's, that's very much a secondary school thing because you, they need to be of a certain age to have those accounts. Yeah, for, for students, yeah. but in terms of teachers uh, and working with teachers, um, I've been working with primary and secondary teachers, and, and if, if you're teaching at any level, you should get into Twitter because, um, yeah, as I say, that's where you can learn new things, and, and it's kind of, like you say, homework. You just browse through your timeline, and it's a quick and easy way to yeah. see what's, what's relevant to you and something that you think actually that that sounds interesting I'll have a look at that and then and then you can try it out yourself and and that's where to start with that's where the most most of my professional development came from was from this professional uh, learning it's free, mate. yeah and it's free and and uh, like I'm not just reliant on teachers at my school and and some teachers might feel like um, they've learnt everything from those teachers in their school but you can expand that net a bit wider and, and get these great educators from around the world that are sharing all their stuff Do, do you find Facebook as effective? No not really I don't, because I suppose I, ha- I don't use Facebook in, in that way as much I try yeah. to push some of my own stuff out on Facebook but um, I've definitely placed more emphasis on Twitter and I know some teachers use Facebook a lot and, and use it well for that um, but I like the fact that I've got Facebook for my 
generally for my personal well, stuff I think and, that's, and that's, friends. That's, and that's the difference, right? It's yeah. Facebook, it's not as easy to keep it separate because you're so sort of engaged with Facebook on a personal level, it's hard to make it professional. Yeah, and to give Twitter another plug, I suppose it's because you can only put in 140 characters, it's really easy yeah. to scan through the timeline and see what you actually want to read, and, and it doesn't take long to have a flick through. And, and generally, if you're following the right people, you'll, you'll always find something that, that is worth reading and, and worth trying out. Yeah, well, I, that, that's the other thing about Facebook, is I, I get a bit conscious about posting stuff on Facebook because I don't want to clog up, because I want to share educational thoughts, but really, I might be only friends with 20 teachers on Facebook and I'm filling up everyone else's timeline. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I don't have any... I, I know very... Personally know very little people that I follow on Twitter and that follow me. But in terms of being online and them being a teacher, I, they'd be hopefully interested in stuff I post and, and vice versa. So we'll go down the technology route, if you like. So you're... you're the man to see technology-wise in Whakatane. Uh, and what, what made you go down there? What, what made you, because you're a PE teacher. Yeah, so um, I, I was teaching over, overseas and had a, had a great um, professional development session or day with a guy, Jared Robinson, who's known as the PE geek. And uh, I was inspired from that to really start using iPads in my PE classes. And, and from there, it really just grew and... and we started doing blogs for our, our department and and from there again it grew and I, I decided, look, I want to actually get in the classroom and, and focus a lot more on this, um, on how technology can enhance learning for our kids across across different subjects. And then, yeah, I got a job at um, in Kawaro at Tarawira High School, which was really developing and, and at that time was in the process of having a new uh, innovative learning learning space being built or innovative learning environment and from there it was really that realization that in a space like that it was it, it wasn't set up for traditional teaching of that teacher just being at the front and being the source of all knowledge and it was all all about students being able to learn pretty much at their own pace and, and had that choice and and technology allowed that to happen so it, it was from there that we really pushed out um, trying first to make sure that, that our students had that access to technology at school and um, through that we, we definitely utilised um, Chromebooks and, and the benefits of the Google Suite for education and, and it's really grown from there. Is it, um, and when, when you say these Google Suites, is there any particular, is that, is that, that the only platform you can do the stuff you do through Google? Um, well, we, we made that decision as a school to be a, a Google school, and so what that means is rather than using um, like Office 365 and, and anything like that, we were going to predominantly use um, Google Docs and Google Slides and Google Sites and, and Google Classroom and all that sort of stuff, and and the the it was easy for me to make that decision at the time because of that sort of collaborative nature of everything, and, and it just yeah. made so much more sense, and you could see it had been built... Um, with kids and teachers really in mind in terms of this 21st century education as well and, and the idea that it was free um, storage was unlimited and all that sort of stuff on student accounts and, and then in terms of using the Chromebooks like previously they'd been using um, MacBooks and things like that and more expensive equipment if we wanted to reach our goal of having enough devices for, for our classes to go one to one 
then we really had to look at a, a cheaper alternative that was going to still meet the needs of all our students, and that's, yeah. that's what Chromebooks offered as well. What's been the biggest block? To using technology? To, 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 to basically living your, your dream or, or realising what you want to do in terms of, is it funding, is it terms of our community buy-in? Yeah, well, uh, through that whole journey as well, and, and I've been preaching the whole time that um, t- yeah, technology really, if used correctly, enhances learning for all our students. But then at the same time, in, in our area, which is a really low, well, it's a low decile school and, and a fairly low um, socioeconomic area, we're pushing this out and doing this at school, but these students would go home and they've got no no access to any to the internet or to any devices at home so so we really started to think about this digital divide that was happening in New Zealand society and that got me onto my next passion to to really think about how we could create an environment for these students where they could learn like anywhere any any time and at any pace and uh, that's where we started this uh, charitable trust called Tiakatoitu and um, that, that was our vision exactly to to create that environment where it was affordable for these students as well. Has there been times along that journey where you've gone, nah, I'm, I'm just going to go back to teaching, it's too, not, not too hard, but there are too many people who, who aren't on board? Yeah, plenty, of, yeah, pretty much uh, every, weekly every I, day. I have those thoughts, yeah, so uh, funding is our biggest issue and, and for something that we think every every kid should have access to the internet and to a device to, to learn with in this day and age. It's, we really believe that. And to, to really push that through and try to get funding, um, it, it's been a real struggle and, and we're still on that, on that mission to... How high up have you gone? Um, like, we're, yeah, we've talked to yeah, politicians and oh, we're also very lucky. We've got Sir Michael Cullen as our um, patron as oh, well. Oh, no way. So, so he's awesome. um, giving good advice. And, but, but yeah, it's something for us that... Ideally, I would say that the Ministry of Education would probably love to to give that access to all our students, but obviously it's a it's a lot of money as well. So they're very reliant on on small groups around the country to to put programs like what we're doing, and uh, then again we're reliant on on other funders and and certain certain uh, philanthropic trusts have been really good, and, and we've got a bit of funding, but to make it sustainable and scalable like we're trying to do. Um, yeah, we'll just keep trying to push forward, and, and it's yeah, plenty of bumps along the road there. Do you start and do you start in terms of everyone having access to a device? Is the best way to start in school, right? When you're at school, everyone's going to have access to this. We'll, we'll we'll get this nailed, and then we'll move on to homes. Yeah, that's what, and I suppose that's what we've done at our schools. But um, the the thing with the shelf life of um, devices, it's, uh, we say it's only about three years, so um, it gets very expensive for schools as yeah. well to, yeah, to yeah, try yeah, to yeah. cut out everyone in that school. So how we try to make it affordable was saying, look, we don't want to say to our parents that you have to go and buy this device for, let's say, between six and $700 in one hit. Uh, we wanted to work through a plan to make sure that they could pay it off weekly at an amount we, we thought was affordable, which we considered was about $5, under $5 a week. And uh, we were really lucky that um, a company called Cyclone Computers, who uh, they came along with this equitable access partnership, which meant that none of our, our parents were going to get, um, yeah, they weren't going to get credit checks or anything like that and didn't have to pay any bonds. It was just a straight 
automatic payments of $4.78 a week to get these awesome sort of Acer touchscreen Chromebooks. And uh, the parent buy into it was really good because they thought actually this is affordable and uh, this is really important for our kids' education as a result of the different community hooies that we had. And uh, from there, that, that was getting those devices into those houses and also taking that cost away from the schools. So hopefully as a school, we can focus on, on different things like getting robotics and, and yeah. coding and, and all that in place because all our kids have devices already that they can use in, in school and at home. Are there many places around the country doing the same thing as what you're doing? Like, did you have a model that you could go off or, or are you just sort of... Yeah, very slightly, yeah. I was inspired by what um, the Manaya Kalani Trust had done up in Auckland and after a visit to one of the open days it's where we came away and thought we've got to do something similar for our schools in the eastern bay uh, so there's uh, very much following some stuff that they've done but also we're in terms of like uh, that equitable access partnership with cyclone that that's something new as well that that we see as, as something that's very sustainable because the parents are actually investing in yeah. their kids education in some way as well what's in it for them the parents now nah, the the cyclone uh, well, they, they obviously make a small amount, but they're also a very um, philanthropic company as well. But yep. they, they also see that they've got a strong professional development side as well. So, yep. so I'm also working closely with them for all our schools to organise those big PD events for next year as well, so that they get involved in that. Um, but essentially, yeah, they, they, a lot of when you start talking about this sort of stuff, there's a lot of organisations and people around New Zealand that think, actually there's a real digital divide and, and something needs to be done otherwise yeah. it's just going to get wider and wider as we go on well I think I think you can look at it in, in two different well probably a million different ways but not only do we have that digital divide locally or nationally we're, we're also falling behind internationally because because the fact of the matter is that internationally um, they are one to one yeah um, so so you know we not only at are we struggling to get one to one in in most schools? Mm. You know, like we're we're one one to one at our school secondary, but primary's not. It, mm. It's we're trying to get that way, but but unfortunately as well, a lot of the time it's it's people are reluctant to go down that route because they have a feeling that kids are on their devices too much already. Yeah, and that's that's something that we face a lot is yeah that that screen time issue. And just what I usually say is just because I've got a screen, it doesn't mean they have to be on it all the time. And, yeah. and we had the instance in our class where we thought, look, um, the, these students are actually, it was so quiet and there was no sort of communication going on. Like there's online collaboration, but we still wanted those interpersonal skills happening. So certain things like at, at the end of each block of learning, like 15 minutes to go, we'd make sure that those devices went down and, and we'd state questions like how what did you learn is there something that you learned that you can show your partner um is there something that both of you tried to find out but but couldn't and how could you work forward with that so we really had to think about ways that we were encouraging that um communication without screen time as well and, and you're right it's a, it's very important to not just be on those devices all the time but then if you look at it from the other side people people with office jobs are on their computers all day yeah, like, are, are we are we providing them with the skills that they need going forward, or are we providing them with the skills that that we think they need at the moment? Like in in terms of screen time, 
the reality is the world we live in is, is screen time. Mm. Yeah, and that's, a lot of people struggle with that, and like you're saying, but I think as long as everything we're doing and, and enforces, reinforces those 21st century skills of, well, we've got the four C's, that creativity, uh, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking. So when you, when you look at those skills, and, and especially that sort of what that Google suite does as well in terms of collaboration all those skills are really enhanced through technology yeah. but it doesn't mean that everything you do has to be through technology yeah. but what I'd like to think is if you're doing an activity and then you look at it and think can this be better, done better in enhancing the learning with that technology then you should be learning that technology you shouldn't just be using it as a replacement for paper yeah and I, and I think that that's where the common misconception is from, from the community is that they don't realise that we're trying to actually enhance learning they think that we're replacing what we used to do mm, exactly and, and, and that's where quite. it comes to that one thing that really drives everything I think about is that salmon model of um, the first S of it is substitution and you're trying to get right to the end of the, with the R of uh, redefining what you're doing and substitution for example just putting a, a worksheet on your website and so that really baits me as a educator because I'm like you're not actually doing anything different you might be saving, saving a couple a little of trees bit of paper. Yeah. but what with this awesome tool in front of you you should really be it should be no worksheets, it should be student-led sort of stuff and problem-solving, critical thinking, getting students to ask questions rather than just find out answers, which they can easily uh, Google anyway. Do you have anything to do with teacher colleges? No, not yet. Um, only, only a little bit through this Tiaka Toitu stuff because we want to look at um, the re- get, get research done into what we're doing to show what we're doing is, is successful. Yeah. So, so not... Not so much, and my under, my concern as well, and I could be wrong here, but some of the some of the teaching colleges, I don't know if, if those teachers who are training them have not come from this twenty first century background, so they're training sort of uh, traditional traditional methods of teaching, where all of a sudden, like I've kind of been alluding to, the internet's just changed everything, and it's dramatically changed teaching and learning. So yeah. we got to ensure that those new grads coming through are actually going to be those ones to, to use technology really well because the assumption when they start in schools is, oh, this is a young a young teacher, they're going to be really tech-savvy. And unfortunately, it's, it's not always the case because they, they say, no, we didn't really do that sort of stuff at uni. And, uh, so well, the majority of teachers that I know that are good at tech are self-taught. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe a little bit of PD here and there. But, but that, and that's why I ask because certainly when I went through it, it was a little bit before in terms of what we have now so I mean we, we, we were on computers and stuff like that but the internet was, was a bit of a passive thing mm. back then so I'm wondering if it had changed much yeah no I, I do I have that conversation with a lot of people and, and I think I'd love to go in and see what different places are doing because um, yeah, you, you worry that actually uh, what are these guys learning in there or are we, are we looking at the different ways that the technology is, is going to be impacting learning or are we just doing what we've always done which, which is um, quickly becoming something that we need to change. Do you find um, that you have to check yourself a little bit so that you're not perceived as a boat rocker? Yeah, oh, a little bit, but yeah, you just whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, well, I suppose the 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 what tact I always try to take is you you never want to be seen, or you don't you don't want to tell people how to do their jobs. Yeah, you just want to show 
different ways and think, say, look, have you considered maybe doing this? Or, or um, especially when you put a vision in place, and that's where we're lucky with, again, go back to our Te Akatoitu Trust, that we've just set the vision that we want to have an environment that uh, an environment where students can learn anywhere, anytime, and at any pace. So if I ask you that question, how do you make that happen? you've really got to start thinking along the lines of actually I need a, a website and stuff online where students can access their resources, we've got to have collaborative docs online so that if they're working at home I can give them feedback online. Um, so as soon as you put, I find it easier when you've got a, got a vision in place and you can ask teachers how, how do you think that we're going to, going to meet that and then you can actually work to help them achieve those goals where no one likes anyone coming in saying this is how yeah. it should be done. Especially teachers. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and the thing is that there's no right or wrong way either, but there's definitely, no matter who you are, I still always think there's a slightly better way all the time, and, and it's always good to talk to different people about w- what their views are and how they're pushing uh, these ideas in their class as well. So if I'm, a, if I'm a teacher battling with the technology side of things, and I, and I don't mean battling in terms of give me a list of 20 different websites that I can use with the with the kids but what what do you reckon the most important skill that that teachers need is the ability to work these google docs or google suites yeah if i was talking about it from a from a because again we're google schools um i'd be saying one now like blogging is is really important possibly that somewhere that you can go and share share the work um in my classes in particular, I'd always have a blog and that was kind of like my digital whiteboard of instructions. Yeah. Again, it's beneficial because instead of writing it on my whiteboard, that's never going to be there forever. It's going to be rubbed off at the end of the day. Those students will never have access to that again. Put yep. it on my blog, they've got access to it anytime they want. They can go back to it. If they're away from school, they've still got access to it. So it's just, it's a no-brainer for me. Stop using a do whiteboard you, do you and start think putting that, it on Do you think blog. that um, the... The, the issue is that teachers perceive it as being a whole lot more work. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. But and then that—that's the other thing is what I try to push through in my role is you're trying to actually show how efficient you can be with technology. And and again, you another example I'll use is if you do a screencast. I always say to teachers, look, if you've got something really important to say, why would you stand up in front of your class and only say it once? Why not just make a video of that? and put it on your website, students can go back to it any time they want, goes back to their learning anywhere, anytime, at any pace, because they can, as soon as they get lost on a certain part or something's happening too fast, they can rewind and, and go forward with so it again. So do you, do you, if you were teaching, you'd have a video camera set up in your classroom? Because no. o- otherwise, is there a chance that you're just sitting at your desk while... Yeah, no, not at all. This is all stuff I'd be doing doing at home, and oh, yeah. and I'd be putting the... Like, just another example, so, well, the same example, but if I had something important to say in a traditional classroom, I'd be saying, okay, stop what you're doing, come forward, I'm going to be the source of all knowledge at the front of the room, and you're going to listen to what I say. Probably, I'll have 10 people that that stuff's probably too difficult for, and they're not following, so they're looking out the window, maybe another two, three people that it's too easy for, so they're not interested, and I'm probably talking to two people out of my 15 or whatever. But if I had taken the time before that to actually, whatever I was going to say, go through, quickly do a screencast on the computer over the dock or whatever it is that I'm trying to explain, I can just put on my blog or on through Google Classroom or, or my Google site and say, look, this is, if you're up to this part, this is the instructions. You can go back, listen to that as many times as you want until you get it. 
and then you don't need to come up to me when it suits me you can go to it when it suits you and work at your own pace and and the way that that's more efficient is one you create it and it will take a bit of time but when you get good at those screencasts it, it will take maybe two two three minutes and then you can upload it if a student asks you continually or different students ask you continually about that question you can say look it's on the blog go and see it so you're not answering the same question over and over which is probably one of the pet hates for teachers um, students have access all the time next year if you've got that same sort of similar activity or whatever that it's there again so you're just building up a, a whole lot of resources and, and putting it on your Google site or, or whatever. And you're more online. effective because that, 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 the kids can be looking at that and then you can be troubleshooting around different areas of the class. Yeah, it's not a cure and, and that's how the whole thing's changed is that we're not that source of all knowledge at the front of the class because how could we assume that that whole class needs to know that exact thing and, and everyone's at that same level. We can differentiate instruction better because it's all online. As teachers, then you're not spending all your time at the front of the class, you're going around working with individuals in small groups, which is way more beneficial for them. Um, so it's just a win-win, but yeah, like you say, it's it's about how is that making it more efficient for teachers, and it's very hard to break that mould of, I'm just at the front of the class and I'm going to tell you what you need to know, where we couldn't be any more wrong in this day and age, because any content that the student needs to know is online, and they can access access it with a push of a button from their pocket on their phone in their pocket but uh so we got to focus a lot more now rather than the content than on the actual process of learning how um with, with everything on do you know much about online school that calls the yeah a little uh, i've been following it in the news and yeah me and, too but i don't i, I thought you might have had a some insider knowledge for me no, I, no no insider knowledge but my understanding is that I just don't there's a huge uproar about it and I just don't see how it's any different to what we've been offering anyway and, and especially in terms of correspondence and I think that the government's just being a bit future focused and saying look let's, let's actually offer these opportunities that if a student was away or if they wanted to learn from home that, that we're giving them that opportunity because that's essentially what we're doing anyway by by making that learning accessible so We're anywhere just meeting, meeting at a central point which yeah. is the classroom which is still I still see that as a real valuable um, part of schools as we go forward and, and I don't think we're just going to change society and, and have parents not working because their kids are at home learning all of a sudden but it's at least giving that bit of freedom for yeah. those other schools and and the more that we can actually put online and share together as, as educators as well like we've just got to Look and look at the best way that these students are going to learn in the future, and so I think they're they're on the right thing. I think the perception in the public of what's actually happening has has just been way off, and people well, are going to think that no one's going to school anymore. Again, it's it's just this lack of knowledge, and and that's why it's interesting talking to you because I have not much. It's just the lack of knowledge about it creates fear. Yeah, from, and from the community. Yeah, and it's like everything else again, like change and people get pretty scared of change so, and that's what we're finding here with a lot of teachers and having to change change the way that they've taught for the last 20-30 years because essentially the internet's cha changed up society yeah um, yeah everyone everyone's very a lot of people don't like change and, and that's that's the idea here is trying to 
encourage teachers to embrace that change and, and change what we've done. And and the other difficult thing, mate, is that there's there's actually not that much research around it because it's all new. Like all all this online stuff and, and the stuff you're doing, it's 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 new. So in order to have the research for it, that research isn't going to be done until later on. Yeah, yeah, that frustrates me a bit when people say, "Look, we'll wait for the research because someone's got to do it, and yeah, and you got to move forward, and you've just got to kind of join the dots backwards a little bit and say, "Look, this is the way things are going," and and we're still some of us are still teaching in a real industrialized sort of age system. Yeah, but we've we've got to advance that, and we can't necessarily wait for the research we've just got to push it through there there is a lot of research but technology changes so fast that yeah there's the research will probably not keep up with that rate of change so it's even even like being a teacher Mm. uh, if you wanted to teach yourself everything before you went to school there's not enough hours in the day and that's where that's where it comes into facilitating that learning rather than delivering it yeah yeah exactly um so this tomorrow's learners, I'm looking at, at more in classroom practice. Well, one thing I did that, that worked actually pretty good was your students creating their own timetables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was there, that, that's obviously a little small, small thing of what you do, but how did that go down as an example in the school community? Like, were you the only class doing it? Yeah, well, at our school, it wasn't classes as such. We taught... We t- we were team teaching with a whole group of year 10s and there's um, myself and another um, two awesome colleagues, Julian Reed and uh, Sheree Tuhoro. So we sort of, at the start of the year, we thought, look, we've got this huge open space learning environment. So what are our actual goals and what do we want our students to achieve by the, by the end of the goal? If we could have a couple of takeaways, I suppose. And one, one of them for us is we wanted these students to be really good at directing their own learning by the end of the year and essentially the idea of learner agency and, and um, taking control and ownership of their own learning. So one, everything we did really revolved around that. And so we thought, look, we'll, we'll make a system where because there's three teachers and we don't want to be just that teacher up the front of class and, and regurgitating a lesson, let's actually allow them to create their own timetables because everything they needed to know was online anyway and, and we'd structure it on our blog and say look for the literacy block and the numeracy block and and the inquiry block this is what you need to do so for us it was already online so they could choose to do it when they wanted but the idea was that they had to do one of those blocks per day so at the start at the start of the week they'd go through and, and we'd set up our our um our blocks of lessons on Google Calendar and they'd go and copy it in and and sort of change things around so that they could show us exactly how their week panned out and when they were doing each thing. Um, So all of that was really to say, for that student, I've chosen to do this now. So the idea or the theory behind it was if I've chosen to do it, I'm more likely to do it. Yeah. Rather than I've been told to do it, I don't want to do it. Sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So giving them that learner agency and choice over their learning in just that little way. And it was also really teaching them sort of about yeah, things like timetabling and managing their time and saying, look, if I'm better at maths in the morning, let's do maths in the morning because that's when I'm fresher, my brain's fresh, I might, I might understand those harder tasks then. 
is it harder to get them to understand because what I found and, and it, took, it took a little bit of coaching but initially everything that they didn't like was left till last mm. which is sweet because as an adult those are the same decisions that you make but but the difference in, in a teaching perspective is that 9 out of 10 kids work better in the morning mm. um, so if they're leaving the thing they don't like till last then they're actually missing out on probably the prime time for them to you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, and you you could be savvy as a like on the on the template that you're setting up in the Google Calendar is um for example you might get to the Friday and, and you might only give them a couple of choices for block yeah. one and, and yeah. so they don't have another choice but to choose from one of those two things. So you're just being a little bit a little bit more um, savvy as a teacher in terms of kind of directing their choice a little bit there. But um, yeah, generally we found that they'd always get onto like they'd always do do their work. Like if they knew that assignment was due or something, then they'd be choosing that in the morning and thinking, actually, I've got to spend. And and the ones that we could manage themselves a bit better at certain times, they they might have actually chosen to do um, maybe a couple of blocks on their assignment because they knew that they had to put the work in and, and get that done at that time. And what it allowed us to do as teachers, we we could put out on um on our blogs and, and have them book into workshops and that that would also run and, and allow the students to actually choose what workshops that they wanted and um well list the workshop and then other students could say actually and they could see it online oh actually that's something I might need a bit more help with too I might book into that workshop too so it gave a huge amount of flexibility for us as a as a big learning group and with that flexibility you're just way more efficient yeah and we you got to remember we had this is a class of 80 year 10s in a, in a relatively hard to teach area and by us sort of not pressuring them and saying look this is what we're doing now and giving them that choice I think they really appreciated it and, and worked better for it and were more engaged too. So after they finish with you when they go up to year 11 is that still available for them or is that just a... Yeah well the feedback we got was because we, we started that with that really real idea of learner agency and and then we found from the teachers that they went up to in year 11 that they said, man, these kids are so much better at following the instructions online and actually directing their own learning. And, and for us, it was awesome to hear because that was our main goal. Yeah. Because I think if you're good at directing your own learning, you could learn anything that you wanted because, again, everything's out there on the internet that you need to know. But you just need to know how to find it and, and what you're looking for. Yeah. So it's probably the most important skill that we could teach these kids. And, and they really least- did benefit in that year 11 year from it. And that leads a bit into that the, the whole digital citizenship. Yeah. Is that specifically taught, or do you think it should be specifically taught, or do you think it's just a natural process of, of this online learning? Yeah, a bit of both. I definitely think there's scope um, to have... You've got to have those sort of lessons at the start, but I think it's one of those things that you just continually reinforce as you're using that and... and uh, by by actually pushing through and, and encouraging it and embracing sort of social media and that and you're you're trying to give them those skills to to make sure they don't get to at, be adults and, and post things up that they shouldn't and it will affect their their job prospects and that because as we all know we probably get get our Facebook stalked before a job interview yeah. and so so by actually embracing all that rather than putting our heads in the sand and saying we won't use it because we're worried that that they might do the wrong thing. 
let's actually try to use it more and, and encourage how to use it properly and, and that's going to be really powerful too but again it's so scary because for a lot of teachers it's all so new and uh and we don't quite know how to deal with it but well i i, I think it's a massive problem mate and that's the that's the whole reason that we're working with this our cubby because what started initially and it's a similar sort of parallel to yours in terms of we, we begun it for collaboration mm. we wanted the kids to be able to collaborate and and and, and not in such a sort of defined way. Like there are certainly things where they, not so much the collaboration, but where they can share stuff. Yeah. Like there's some good things like Seesaw, online portfolios that they can share with their family, but there's nothing really connecting the kids until they're 13. Mm. Because all, all these kids have Facebook. Yeah. They, they, they've got it already, but we can't use it in school because mm. they've got to be 13 to have it technically. Yeah. Um, and so I really see it going away from just being a collaborative tool is actually teaching them social media. Like like we think someone, a rugby player, blows out on social media and, and we just shake our heads. But really, who's ever taught that guy how to do it? No, and, and that's the thing. You know, we've blinked and, and all of a sudden we're in this online world and, and things are a bit crazy and people think that they can take on this online persona and, and do things that they'd... or say things that they'd never say face-to-face. So... Yeah, when I was looking through your on uh, the our cubby, that one thing I really thought was powerful was we can we're encouraging these um, portfolios all the time, and we, and we might be using Blogger or whatever. But what's really powerful with it is that when you can actually share it and make sure you have that audience, and, yeah. and that's what I thought you were doing really well on that is if you can get that audience commenting on your work and, and having that conversation, that's what's really motivating for students. And I, so I thought you were onto something. Something really good there to. Well, fingers crossed. Like I said, we, we just started testing it a few weeks ago, and I think it looks promising. It's but but like I said, it's all about buy-in. Mm. Like for it to work well, you want heaps of people on it because that's that's the magic of it. Mm. Um, but then from a teaching perspective, it's just another thing. Yeah. Which which is, you know, and that's what I wanted to actually move on to was with your job. Do you find that, like as, as a teacher. It's it's you know people view it as a as a eight to four thirty or whatever. Do you find that your hours now are really skewed? Yeah, and and I have this conversation with a lot of staff who say they don't check emails or anything after a certain time, um, and, and I I sort of just have my phone on me and whilst you don't want to have it impacting on your life, but at the same time. If I'm trying to encourage my kids to to learn anywhere and any pace and things, um, I do a lot of ex- a lot of uh, instances over my time at Tarawera where kids would be emailing me asking asking a question or, or through the comments section on their docs asking certain things and and at eight o'clock at night I'm more than happy to jump on and help them because that's huge for me to see that they're actually yes. doing their work at home and, and that's a real big buzz for me as a teacher was seeing these kids are actually putting in the effort and engaged enough to work at home the least I can do is actually put, put a little bit more time in and help them so, yeah, I, and I, I agree with that because I, I mean I, I, and I, I find I'm more productive mm. sort of at, at home in a, in a, if I'm doing stuff online then, then that works for me as well it doesn't work for a lot of people, or they've got a conception that it, a perception that it doesn't work for them. At what stage do you reckon that there is a line? Because at the end of the day, we're we're 
public servants. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where that line is. I suppose I haven't been in the position where I've had so much in from students that it's got too much, like any, anything that I've, I've seen and, and had to help out of school hours. As I say, it's always a bit of a buzz anyway. But, um, yeah, you could definitely definitely ask my partner. I think she probably thinks that I'm on my phone too much. But I'd rather deal with the emails as they come in rather than sitting down having the next morning jam. and having a log jam and, and having an yeah. hour to sort it out. Yeah, and, and, and I guess that's a, that's just the personal, like at the moment I live by myself so it's no hassle doing, yeah. whereas you, you've got your partner and your kid mm. and the, you, you do have to have that balance, but I think people that say once I leave school, that's school over, that's, that's mm. a pretty naive way to look at things. And, and one of the great things about mobile phones and, and how essentially we've got a computer in our pocket, it's not like I'm walking around with a laptop the whole time, I can just quickly answer it and it's so easy and, and I sort of see it as people really respect if you get back to them as, as soon as you can yep. and I appreciate that in return as well so um, again it's a very personal thing in, in terms of um, in terms of dealing like that and I, I can definitely see the other side of the coin as well but as teachers yeah like it, it's it's not really a job it's it's a lifestyle isn't it I suppose yeah do, do you think um, that one way to solve this digital divide is by opening up use of cell phones or do, do they not give enough um yeah, I think you can. Oh, yeah, we're very hesitant to, to use cell phones because, like you said, I don't think they give enough. So, um, and, and the other thing is, yeah, with that digital divide, some kids have cell phones and some yeah. kids don't. Yeah. So, for us, it's a bit more. But more would have phones than computers. Yeah, but for us, they're, they're so limited, uh, very limited on what you can do if, yeah. if you're thinking this is your main learning tool. And I always like to say, if you've got a if you've got a laptop that should be if it's set up correctly your own personal tutor really that yes. you can work along at your own pace so yeah uh, while, while the phones are useful I still think I'd never have it as a replacement for my, nah, for my laptop they're more useful just to search stuff yeah and, and to do your emails and stuff like that but if I wanted to be really productive and and create something a lot more worthwhile I would personally rather use a laptop I know kids are very savvy on their phones as well but um yeah, to have that other device as well, and, and again, that goes back for us, it was really about having access to to a laptop and, and the Chromebook because they're, they're tailor-made really for education and and, um, and they were cheaper and affordable. And then, of course, that internet connectivity, which we sort of take for granted a little bit, but there's so many families, especially yeah. in our areas, that don't have the access to the internet, which is a massive disadvantage for that, that family and those students trying to learn. Absolutely. Um, where, where do you see this charitable trust being in, ideally in two or three years? Do, do you think it, it, it spreads or it's, it's con, confined to being in Whakatane or? Yeah, well at the, at the moment we've, we've just said that, it, that we want to work with um, sort of decile one and two schools in the Kawara and Whakatane districts. So while we're trying to get our heads above the water, that, that's sort of the site. That that's particular trust I suppose is is going to operate in that area. But what we'd like to see, and, and we're always trying to make everything sustainable and scalable, so what we'd like to see is that we're creating a model that other communities could also use and set up a similar situation, and, and we'd love to share our intellectual property and any, any learnings that we have, much like Manai Kalani have done with us in, in terms of this is what we've done, this is how you can help the students, and, and this is the research to, to back it up as well. So, so we'd like to expand within our district when, when we get enough funding and when we can show what we're doing with what we've got now works really well. 
but yeah, we'd like to. I'd like to be in the position to help out other other areas as well, and and take on that sort of consultant role to to work with other areas wanting to set up similar models because there's so many similar communities around New Zealand. Do you, do you have figures that 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 uh, would keep you afloat? Like like in terms of numbers, what, what's the sort of number that you need to to be sustainable? In terms of money, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a tricky subject. Yeah, well, we've got we've got different goals. One one thing is there's operational cost to keep it running. That's what you you've got to try to fund as well. And then um, so that's a tricky part. For one thing that's really sustainable about our model is that it's the parents that that are actually investing in those Chromebooks. Yeah. So we see it as um, to steal a line from Manaikalani, it's it's really a, a hand up rather than a handout. Yeah. So we'd hope that those those parents and, and and it's a mind shift of those parents investing a little bit in their child's education through this Chromebook. They want to see a return on that investment, which is that the learning learning is enhanced. And who's going to make that happen? It's still the teachers. So that there's that um, emphasis on the teachers making sure that they can. Uh, ensure that learning is enhanced with that technology as well. So it creates a bit of a bit of a mindship of that whole environment. Um, so whilst the parents are buying those devices, we we've set a goal for our trust that we don't want any family to have to pay more than ten dollars a week. So if you had a family of four children, if we can see that they're already investing in two, we'd love we'd love to provide those extra Chromebooks yeah. for free. Awesome. Um, so we, we've done a little bit of that as well, and then and then the other big cost we've we've set up two wireless networks which are utilising the school's ultra fast broadband. So um, essentially, we've created networks over Kawaro and Murupara where where families are going to be able to connect for forty dollars a month for unlimited data, which awesome. is about half of anything that they could get from any commercial provider. Yeah. And then um, the other big cost here is, and the other key to the puzzle is that professional development for all our staff as well. So, so with those goals in mind and helping with the installation costs for the for the internet, we're sort of looking at kind of um, roughly about three hundred thousand dollars a year to reach our goals. Yeah. But in saying that as well, we've still very little money at the moment. We've still achieved quite a lot in yeah. terms of allowing them that access to devices, and and we're also working with. Um, doing that spark jump program where that's a plug and play modem and, and those families can access the internet over the 4G network for uh, $15 per month for 30 gigs as yeah. well so we're utilising that, that cool. um, initiative too um, yeah it's, uh, well, one thing I've found since being back in New Zealand is nothing's that easy right in mm. terms of different thought processes of people and then you've got the Teachers Council and do do you have anything to do with the Teachers Council and what you're trying to do or is this or do they view what you're doing as completely separate? Um, well, we they kind of view it as separate. We're we're lucky. One of our main principles is on the Teachers Council, but oh, yeah. still, so they'll, they'll know what we're doing. But it's just that it's just that funding and and I haven't talked to one person who thinks that what we're doing is a bad idea. And everyone's very supportive well, of it. Well, if you find someone who thinks it's a bad idea, mate, they they shouldn't be talking to you. No, really. Well, yeah. So that's the thing, and, and obviously I wouldn't like I've been talking to the right people. If I think that <laughs> yeah, no that's fights. the right idea. It's just that yeah, there's a lot of um, groups out there asking for money, and um, yeah, yeah, and it's not easy in that sort of charitable sector yeah. these days. So hopefully, um, yeah, we just keep trudging along and putting in the applications and. 
the worst thing for a charitable trust is so many so many um, other trusts will only let you apply for their funds if you've been up and running for 12 months really so it's hard to keep those first 12 months uh, yeah. going as well but I we've been yeah we've been very lucky we've been well supported by by the schools to date that are involved as well and, and we've had some good support from um, Bay Trust and Eastern Bay Energy Trust and Variety New Zealand and um, yeah so so we've got a bit to keep us afloat but yeah hopefully more floods in so we can really push through and make a difference for these kids do you have anything to do with NetSafe? Uh, not so much I, I know I definitely know um, of of Karen Spencer who, who works for them but um, we haven't been in contact so much with them yet but I definitely see what they're doing and, and it looks pretty good mate we'll wrap this up I think um, just a couple of things what would you what advice would you give to a teacher who's, who's coming through that are looking for a job a new teacher a new teacher yeah I think it, my advice would be to really have a look at how how you can use technology to impact student learning because as a young teacher I think there's going to be that perception that you're going to be the tech savvy one anyway so you want to ensure that you've got those skills and and if you can, um, like as soon as you get into to a school, just sort of if you can get into some sort of mentor system with someone that's using it really well, and just try to learn on the on the job with them. And and for us in a team teacher scenario through this um, innovative learning spaces, that that was where we learnt the most because we're working so closely with two other teachers and always um, talking to each other and and sort of critical thinking after each day about our own practice and what we could do better so if, if you can get in a similar situation do you reckon team teaching's through, the way to go i loved it for our time the, the the difficult thing is we we were lucky because we sort of got to choose the the other colleagues that we worked with yeah but it's very, there's a lot of teachers that are very strong-minded and and so don't like sharing some of their resources or whatever so odd, man. Yeah. just 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 give just share yeah. And especially now with everything online, there's got to be more of a sharing mentality. Because um, if you can work really well together and put your differences aside and, and utilise each other's strengths, it's such a powerful situation to be in where you've got three quality teachers with all these students and, and bouncing off each other. It's um, if, if you can make it happen, it's definitely the way to go. Uh, what, what advice would you give to a kid who's... who's I was going to say just finishing school, that's what I usually ask, but, but more someone who's just got their own device. So someone that's just bought their own device? So someone that, so, so one of these students that it's their first time having their own computer, regardless of how they've got it, yep. but they've just gone to a school one-to-one. Yeah, well the first thing is, uh, it, yeah, it's sort of not really up to the, the student as much because they've got to just ensure that the school has chosen the right whatever whatever road you go down whether it's the Microsoft road or the Apple or the, the Google as long as you just I think you just stay consistent with that one platform so it keeps it easy for teachers and students and then so as long as they know what platform they're using and they can just push through and, and make the most of, of that and there's no right or wrong one um, I've definitely got my preference that I've probably made pretty clear on this but <laughs> it's um Whatever you choose, I think just get, use it and, and run with it and, and just try to learn as much as you can with that one thing because it, all those skills are going to transfer to whatever platform you use later on anyway, I think. Yeah. And last one, what, what advice would you give to you as you were finishing Semaform, year 13? Uh, <laughs> or is yes. that opening up another can of worms? 
Yeah, it's a little bit can of worms. Um, no, no, I definitely don't. I don't regret. Uh, I love being a teacher, and but now, yeah, moving. I suppose it's opening doors in terms of um, working with with other um, with other teachers and trying to have a bigger impact of just what I would have had on my class. So I, I like that side of things as well. Um, yeah, I always worked pretty hard, but I suppose yeah, just try to try to do as follow what I've done do as much as, as you can when you're young if well, you get the opportunity a, you travel and, and learn and it's a pretty hard question really because as soon as you start giving your old you advice then you're thinking well maybe I'm not in the place that I actually want to be <laughs> at the moment <laughs> yeah oh, it's worked out pretty well for me at the moment I'm yeah you could always earn more money but again if you look back and, and we have a pretty good good lifestyle most of the time and, yeah. and we're actually making a big difference to a lot of people and, and do you get that kick yeah, I, yeah, definitely, and and I don't think too many people in their jobs have have the opportunity to say that. And yeah. when you think actually you've got a class in front of you, and you're having you're one of the most influential people to them at that time. Yeah, you're in a pretty powerful position, and 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 someone say we're probably underpaid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, how how do what's your Twitter handle? Um, I'm on Twitter at, at uh, Sam Gibson1983. And and so the title of that is just Tomorrow's Learners. Yeah, and my webpage is tomorrowslearners.com. And if you want to know anything more about our charitable trust, uh, Te Akatoitu, it's just www.teakatoitu.org. Uh, so that's uh, teakatoitu.org. So yeah, it'd be awesome to have some feedback and, and um, see the different things, especially that we've written on, um, I've written on my Tomorrow's Learners site. Awesome, thank you.